Josh is doing his prep work. <laughs> but why, we were just talking about the cigarette snuffer. Yeah, we were talking about cigarette. We were talking about uh, old man steak having a cigarette snuffer and how you used to have a cigarette snuffer, but you even admitted it wasn't for very long because they are fucking impractical because you could just take your cigarette butt and throw it on the fucking ground <laughs> like everyone else. But wasn't there like a brand that was like trying to put like tree seed or plant seeds in cigarette butts or something like that? Oh, um, RJ Reynolds said they were going to for a while and then never did. So Camel said they were going to and then just never did. Why though? Like why not? I would. Like, I, like I need to know the story behind. <laughs> if I was, I've also been like in a big documentary movie lately, so it's like I want to know the story behind everything. <laughs> If I was if I was going to take a stab in the dark on why they didn't do it, I would guess that the act of smoking the cigarette was not super conducive to um, keeping a seed alive. Come on, dude! It's twenty seventeen. <laughs> they make people with no limbs have limbs. <laughs> <laughs> what documentary was that? YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube, the documentary. Oh man, I'd watch that documentary too. Yeah, actually, I would too. Do <clears throat> you know that YouTube started as a dating website? How? How does that even? Like, you remember those old school, like, used to, like, mail in. Like, they used to be, like. I don't really remember these services, but I remember the, like, sketches that Saturday Night Live and Mad TV made about them. <laughs> Where you'd, like, mail in a tape of yourself being like, hey, I'm Ethan, and I, like. Walks on the beach and pina coladas or whatever that song is. <laughs> and then somebody else, they would like make copies of your videos and send them out to like other respected single ladies in your neighborhoods. It's weird because I feel like, okay, because people make YouTube videos like every goddamn day, every second almost. Mm-hmm. It's like people are absolutely comfortable with the idea that like your image is being broadcasted on someone's you know mobile devices like in the privacy of their own home but the minute they have a vhs tape of you (laughs) that's where it's fucking weird (laughs) i I don't i don't follow that logic but sure like imagine like like those listen to the difference of like oh there's this dude up the street who does videos that he gives away online for free versus, oh, there's this dude up the street I have videos of. <laughs> <laughs> One of them sounds a little more creepier than the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because if you say you have, like, if I say you and I made a video or I watched your video, that, Im- that implies that you gave consent to it. <laughs> like even the like the 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 imagery of the copy of those videos. Like say somebody goes on your laptop, say you have a, a lot of videos of one specific YouTuber. I'm using YouTube as an example. It's the easiest. Mm-hmm. Um, and say somebody opens a file and all of a sudden there's like, oh, a hundred YouTube videos of this one dude. Like you look at it and you automatically think, okay, that's kinda weird, but alright, whatever. He really likes that dude. Versus if you opened up their bedroom and there's like a wall of VHS tapes 
phone up to this one person. <laughs> you know? It's like, it, it's a thin line. You know, I guess physical copy versus digital copy. It's really the 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 winning factor on whether or not it's fucking creepy. <laughs> I would also argue that there was a point that you had that wall of VHS tapes. They were just of, like, Tom Hanks. Yeah, because I'm using YouTube as an example because these people, like, a, like a vast majority of people on YouTube are actually unheard of people, like, right. just with a phone right. on their couch versus, you know, Tom Hanks, <laughs> who, like, literally gets paid to do, do this shit. Like, do you think Tom Hanks has any videos on YouTube? Oh, dude, he's gotta. Right? I'm sure. I'm, I mean, I'm positive, actually. It's gotta. Because <laughs> there was a lot of celebrities that did uh, vines and whatnot. Like, Will Sasso did fucking vines. And Will Sasso was hilarious. He still is, I'm sure. But, <laughs> but Vine collapsed, so we don't know anymore. Yeah, we'll never know. Nothing left but the crime. <laughs> So, welcome to Swindlers. I am your I am your con, Ethan Miller, Mark Josh Gruber, and we're actually I'm gonna we're not gonna do a two part episode in the way that I said that we have before. We're gonna do kind of a spiritual two part episode at this point. Spiritual? I'm so. not religious. Spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> I'm podcast spiritual. <laughs> well, e- either way. We are going to start with one um, specific swindler and con man, and then next time we are going to like tackle his like more modern equivalent. And, I, and I'm not going to use his name. I'm I when you think you know who it is, Josh. I want you to like to to, to pipe up, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, I told you. I told you this time we would do somebody in the right time period for what you're always assuming that is. <laughs> for the for the new guys out there. <laughs> so <clears throat> we also need to come up with a clever name because I want I want to I want people who are listening to it to kind of figure it out as you do. Clever name for clever the name. title. Oh, okay. Because every other one has just been the title of like what dude we're doing. What? What a more uh, like personal blurb, right? You know, of the episode, I'll give you. I'll give you his first name. So I'll, I'll give you that one. So um, we're going to follow a man named Carlo. He was Italian, and then his English translation is Charles. Um, Carlo was born in 1882 in Parma, Italy. An Italian named Carlo. Yeah. Okay, I'll take that. I like Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like how every other episode I've been like, do you know anything about this person? And you're like, no. And the second I'm like, hey, if you can figure it out, do it. And I give you the first small tidbit of information. And you're like, I'm on it. <laughs> he went to university in Rome in nineteen in nineteen oh three and he immigrated to Boston aboard the US uh, the SS Vancouver. Um, he was interviewed later in his life and he told the New York Times that he had gambled away most of his money on the boat 
and a direct quote saying, I landed in this country with $2.50 in cash and $1 million in hopes. And those hopes never left me. They even had that much money back then? What? How much a, money? A million? Trust, nine, trust me. Trust me. This nineteen twenty. Yes. Okay, you know what's really fucked up? Um, <laughs> I keep thinking that now that I know that we're in the 1920s, I feel like we're in the 1820s. <laughs> Like it's so, I will just never be sympathetic on that respect, but I understand that it's the 1920s that they did in fact have like I mean, at least a million dollars. <laughs> so, go on. So, uh, he comes. Yeah, he comes with. He has like very little money, but he has a very natural charisma and very good looks. And he went about trying to find his American dream. He moves to Montreal. Gets a job under a bank that's specifically there to help newly um, immigrated Italian immigrants um, at, very, at like a very very high interest rate. He the um, the bank very quickly goes under, and he was arrested later for forging a check and and spends two years in a Montreal prison. Then gets out of prison, goes to the United States. Starts smuggling Italian immigrants into the United States. Was arrested again in Atlanta. So he's he landed in 1903. So we're going to jump ahead to, um. So you come at, in 1917. He goes back to Boston. He works a series of like dead end jobs for a little while, and then he gets a job at a mailing office that would change everything. Like, oh man, hang on, that was a lot to fucking digest. Uh, so he was in a bank at one point. I know that. So he worked for a bank that goes under. So he then starts trying to forge checks and gets okay. arrested. After he gets after he gets out of prison for forging checks, he starts smuggling immigrants into the United States and gets arrested in Atlanta. How does he do that though? Like, how does he? Because it was it was this bank thing in America. It was t- technically in Montreal, but at that point the border was very loose. Okay. All right. So he's moving around. Big moves. Um, a majority of his majority of his like big con came from his his job in Boston. So he goes back to Boston, and then gets a job at a mailing office. Okay. And this job at this mailing office would change like literally the course of, of history. Oh, like everyone's history. So, uh, more or less. When we get to the end, if you still haven't figured it out, we'll, I'll tell you who he is and it'll this, make sense. Is this the Pony Express guy? <laughs> Carlo? <laughs> Carlo? <laughs> Car- <laughs> Carlo Pony? Carlo Pony Express. <laughs> And then they just dropped it to Pony Express because they wanted to make it a movie. No, that man was not a con man. Okay. <laughs> Good try. Damn. Well, track one. So the initial, the initial scheme was, was this. If you wanted to send an international letter in the early 1900s, you could also send a coupon that could be redeemed for a stamp for international mail. You could also redeem that stamp, redeem that coupon for cash, for the value of the stamp. So Charles, he's now Charles, as opposed to Carlo, right? Because that's the literal like English translation. The, Real- the American version mm-hmm. 
realizes that he could buy a reply coupon in a country with cheaper postage and redeem it for cash in a country with more expensive postage. Uh-oh, loophole. So, Charles would send money back to Italy to have people buy as many reply coupons as they could, mail them back to the United States where he would redeem them for cash. Hmm. So he was reported to make a 400% profit on each one of these schemes. Every time he got one completely flipped over, if he, if he invested one, $1, he would get $5 back. That's dope. Right. <laughs> Wait, is that what he changed? <laughs> Can everyone get $5 at the post office? Not quite, but we'll get... Uh, like He then seeks investors to ramp up his profits. So he he would come to someone like you and I, and go, hey, if you if you invest two hundred dollars or whatever, I will give you three hundred dollars, so a fifty percent profit, like in forty five days. So that's okay. a, I mean that's a sweet deal, I and mean, if that's a consistent deal, I will take that deal all day. I give you two hundred dollars, I get three hundred dollars back later. But that two hundred dollars would translate into like. A thousand dollars, so he would then pro- he would then hold on to the the extra cash for doing the, all of the hard work. <clears throat> you do. So he then gets these investors and pockets the rest and recruits more and more investors. And eventually, word spread around his his uh, his community that he was a very solid sound investment. And if you had a little bit of extra money, you go to Charles, he'll essentially double it for you close to double it for you so he starts offering these ridiculous return rates so i said 50 50 percent in 45 days but if you let him have it for 90 days he would give you 100 percent return to return on investment so that would mean like if i gave him 200 dollars and i waited 90 days he would give me 400 dollars back right <clears throat> but the problem with this scheme is that what he didn't realize is that it would, it would pretty quickly grow too big. What do you mean? Like, the government only printed so many of these reply coupons. Oh. So, like, pretty quick it, it grew, like, too large to s- sustain with the reply coupons to pay out investors. So... At the time where he realized this was unfeasible, the amount of money he had sitting there for to go buy these reply coupons outnumbered the amount of uh, the out, outnumbered the the amount of reply coupons on the planet. Well, not just on? not just ones he could turn profits on on the planet as a whole. There wasn't enough enough of them for him to buy. They only plan on printing out a certain amount. They only do. I mean, it's a limited. I mean, you know, you're not. They're not just going to keep. You know, it's not printing. Like, they put out a certain number of a number of whatever every year. I mean, he was outpacing production essentially. Okay. Well. Okay. Okay. I just. I just. That. I'm pretty sure there was like a whole Silicon Valley episode about this. <laughs> Probably, probably yeah. something similar to it. So you might have heard the name, Tim. So 
when the scheme gets too high and they can't rely on that, there's not enough reply coupons on the planet. Charles then started to use money from new investors to pay off old investors, which technically so works. Like getting, he's like getting a loan to cover a loan, basically. Pretty, pretty much. And he he at this point had become such a celebrity. And had so many investors coming in that it didn't matter. He could do it for a long period of time. Um, so as long, yeah, as long as this relied on the steady flow of new investors, it was fine. Um, at the time that the reply coupons became unfeasible to sustain a payout, Charles had no shortage of, of investors with claims that people were lining out the door and around the block of his office all day long. Charles was also making a pretty penny at this point. So in the in the currency of the day, he was estimated to make around two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a day. Two hundred and fifty by by paying loans with loans. By and by just extra oh, I profits. Just, I just realized that if he just did that forever, he'd be fine. Yes. Essentially. It just it just for me. Oh, that's genius. $250,000 a day translates to $3.8 million in today's money. That's because our money's better. <laughs> That's because we have more of it. Yeah. So he'd also bought a, a mansion in the Boston suburbs. It was a high-tech, state-of-the-art mansion. It included air conditioning and a heated pool. I wish I had heated. I wish I had heated everything. If I had a heated hammock... Oh my god, because that motherfucker gets trapped you on the bottom because you forget that it's only just like a piece of cloth. And so I gotta put a blanket down on it first before I lay down. And then I I burrito myself up with that blanket and then I just lay another blanket on top of me. And it's so comfortable, it's a little cocoon. But what I'm saying is to put this put this one in perspective too, this like this the state of the art stuff. He had air conditioning in his mansion in nineteen seventeen. My parents, have, my parents got their first air-conditioned apartment in like 1984. Well, I have an unheated hammock in 2017. You'd think we'd have the technology at this point, but no, we're too busy making fucking fidget spinners <laughs> instead of focusing on the real issues. Oh, that's good. <laughs> nothing like nothing like making a joke and then going, mm, "Good one." Yeah, I, I I gotta give myself credit sometimes, you know. It's like it does come from me. So the mystery of the heated heated hammock has been solved. What? Take a look at what I just sent you in the chat. Because I, I think I might have just solved your problem. Heating pad with ultra heat tech. Well, yeah, I got a heating pad. Why don't you just throw that on your hammock then? Because it only covers, like, one square. Like, the entire bottom... Like, when I say bottom half, I mean, like... Like, the back half of your body. Like, if you cut your body in half uh, horizontally, starting, you know, at the head, obviously. You know. It gets cold, so I got a heater going. (laughs) Like a space heater under my ass. So my ass is warm. I just realized I got way too deep in that story. <laughs> well, anyway. Either, either Carlos, way. 
has a air conditioned house, heated pool, is making around three point eight million dollars a day. <clears throat> but and is living this like celebrity lavish lifestyle at this point. But the day comes pretty quickly, like only after about like eight or nine months, that the Wealth investors just kind of ran out. And so within a few short weeks of, of the investors running out, the money to pay the investors ran out. Charles himself took as much money as he could and fled his angry investors to the great state of Florida. That's where they go, man. To pursue some new schemes. When the authorities caught up to him, he then fled to Texas and was caught in Texas. He was tried with 86 counts of mail fraud and was sentenced to 14 years, as well as his duty to repay the $7 million, or $103,826,121 in in today's money, that he had stolen from people. No no coins? It was actually actually in 21 cents. Uh, (laughs) That was a little too even. But this uh, forever cemented Charles' name with the pyramid scheme. Have any any last minute guesses on what his actual last name is? Pyramid. <laughs> Carlos Pyramid. <laughs> so the pyramid scheme, or it might as it's commonly referred to as a Ponzi scheme. Oh, Ponzi. Charles Ponzi. Charles Ponzi. Every time I think Ponzi, I think uh fucking happy days. <laughs> That's the Fonz. I know. But it's like Putz, at the same time. Putz, Ponzi. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't. I may not actually be thinking of Happy Days at all. <laughs> I, I, I mean, they call him Fonzi. Yeah, I understand that. It's just, it's different in my head, man. <laughs> Nothing can change it. It's just, it's just different. It's different. You think of think of Henry Winkler every time I. So I guess it's I best. Think... But I didn't tell you this early, early on. Because then he would have just been like, hey, the Carlo Winkler. <laughs> so this was, this great, was... great grandfather of Henry. I guess it would be great grandfather. It was 1920. It'd probably be like, what, great grandfather? Yeah. Maybe just grandfather. Maybe. No. Oh, man. I'm just confusing myself. It could probably, no, it would probably be. Grandfather, yeah. Yeah. Dang. Well, after being released from prison, Ponzi then was deported back to Italy and divorced by his wife. Mrs. Ponzi. (laughs) Her name was Rose. Mrs. Rose Pyramid. (laughs) And he taught English and was an English translator until he was hired by Benito Mussolini to work for an in- Italian airline that worked between Italy and Brazil. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Italian restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know who, do you know who Mussolini was? Yes, I know who Mussolini was, which is why it confused me. That's <laughs> why he was picking out this dude to work at a restaurant. Either he liked this dude or he liked this restaurant. <laughs> I couldn't figure out which one. Because, like, half the time I'm not sure if you're going to be like, yes, I know who Mussolini is. He was the, the, the ruler of Italy during World War II. Or if you'd be like, of course I know who Mussolini is. He invented chocolate mousse. <laughs> Mussolini. Remember when I kept trying to make those mousses? 
when I got my, my fucking, um, holy shit, I can't believe I gave it, my magic bullet. All I wanted to do was make a chocolate boost, and I, it just it just wouldn't happen, man. <laughs> and so I kept making energy drink smoothies. <laughs> it's like, I bought this product, or actually, no, I didn't buy it. I watered it for Christmas with, like, the best of intentions. <laughs> and it was reduced down to a shit fucking blender. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Josh. That's what a magic bullet always no, was. I, I understand that, but, like, dude, that infomercial was just so convincing. It's like, oh, my God, I don't even like guacamole, but I want to make guacamole. (laughs) I love the time that you kept being, like, right when you first got it, you're like, it only takes three seconds. Ready? One, two, (laughs) three. Because they kept saying, like, oh, it only takes three seconds. And they t- it's, like, the longest three seconds. <laughs> it takes at least five seconds. At least. <laughs> I timed it. <laughs> well, either way, Mussolini hired <laughs> hired our, our, our buddy Carlo Ponzi yeah. to work for an Italian airline between Italy and Brazil. He eventually became a branch manager for the for uh, airline in Rio de Janeiro, where he realized that the airline was smuggling currency back and forth from Italy. When he approached the higher ups to get a cut of of the scheme, he was demoted <laughs> demoted in Brazil. And when the when the airline eventually went under due to World War II, he never permanently found work. He collected unemployment and taught the occasional English. But he died penniless in Rio de, Rio, Rio de Janeiro in 1949. I wonder if it's like... It's, it's like... Hang on, I'm trying to make a good metaphor. Like, like you know how Genghis Khan has, a, has had a lot of kids, right? Yes. It's like... Ponzi... Did so much swindling that, that it like trickled down. It's like you could say my great grandfather was swindled by by Carlo Ponzi. <laughs> I don't yeah. like you could say it's like oh I'm a descendant of Genghis Khan. You're probably not wrong. I mean yeah, he, man. I mean th- I mean think about think about if somebody like stole like just personally stole 103 million dollars at this point. Any guesses on who the um, modern equivalent spiritual successor will be for next time? Um, it'll be fucking it's Juan, real. Juan Grift. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually relatively recent. It was it was it was all unfolded while we were in high school, I believe. Uh, Let me double check that. Is it? Um, oh damn! Topical. He's Again, still he's still in jail. Not OJ Simpson. <laughs> we will never do an episode on on OJ Simpson. Damn, it's driving me nuts because it's like one of those things where I know I know it because I remember living it. <laughs> um, I know it's not Mark Zuckerberg, but I keep coming back to Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> uh, tell me, I don't remember. He, I mean. 
Okay, so he was convicted in 2009. So yeah, this entire thing happened while we were in, while we were in high school. While you were in high school. Yeah, you had dropped out by that <laughs> point, and I graduated by 2009. But um, Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff. That not who I was thinking of at all. <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? He, oh well, I guess we'll just save it for the next one. Yeah, actually, yeah. I forgot. We're not getting into, getting into it. I thought about doing these two together in one episode, but then I was like, hmm, let's do it as two. Yeah, you know, save you a little. Break you off a little something now. <laughs> put the rest back. Right. I mean, go. you can read up on it, I guess, if you want. No, I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I can not even know. Did you watch any of the stand-up stuff I put online? Oh, I didn't know you put anything online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a video out there, too. Because I, I like... That Saturday, oh man, last Saturday was just a, such a shit day at work, dude. It was so bad. It was one of the worst days I've ever had. But the whole time I'm just like, man, well, what's Ethan doing? <laughs> so I have, really but yeah, I just I just peeped a an image on Twitter, and I was like, right. oh yeah, that's right. Son of a bitch. I just, I was, that same night, I was out drinking with friends and realized that uh, I have a I found my um. I found my doppelganger. I'm just going to text you this one. And I've known him for a while. I don't know how we didn't figure this one out. Haven't you found your doppelganger before? Like, I used to be really good at finding doppelgangers. Remember that? Yeah. That's that's such a weird thing. (laughs) I used to be really good at going online and finding people's doppelgangers. And it was also just like... It was just like photos you found online. Like, it was not like... Yeah, it wasn't even like friend of a friend. (laughs) Like, absolutely the most random people you could fucking find. Oh, dude, and he's, like, not even white. Yep. He's my friend Brian. You have a black doppelganger? That's so fucking dope. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. We're still recording, too. We should probably wrap this one up. Insane. I'd love to hang out with him. Counterpart. <laughs> Go on. <clears throat> Um, yeah, Josh, do you have anything you want to plug? Oh, man. No. I figured. Uh, hit me up on Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> we got that Taken King, yo. That Back what? on the Destiny. So um, I played Destiny again. I never played Destiny in the first place. Well, when it first came out, it was, like, super shitty. And I remember quitting because of how shitty it got. And then just recently, I was convinced to start it up again. And they fixed a lot of what, what was wrong with it, so I bought the latest the DLCs that actually completed the game, which is, ironically enough, a part of what was wrong with it. <laughs> Bungie, you ass. Right. <laughs> it used um, to be so good. Bungie. What happened? Who, who told you about Destiny? <laughs> Who told you that would be a good idea? <laughs> Show them. What about to me? <laughs> so yeah, if you know who suggested Bungie to Josh, or Destiny to Bungie, uh, point Josh out to him. <laughs> that would be great. That would be like the most celebrity thing you could do for me. <laughs> answer my questions via Twitter. Oh my god. The things we, <laughs> we strive for in this life these days. It's all hitting me right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's just it's just ones and zeros, 
Uh, I used to be all about the social media, too. I used to give a real big shit. <laughs> you I don't know this... how we... I'm sorry, I don't know how we got here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't either. Um, I will say we're real bad at plugging the Twitter for Swindlers. Oh, yeah. Um, we are at Swindlers Pod. Swindlers, like, the, the show is spelled and P-O-D at the end. Like a Christian band. Yep. Whatever. <laughs> follow us. Follow us on there. Um, I realize that our numbers aren't that bad. I, I kind of like a sound off through Twitter or Facebook or however, and just kind of figure out where everybody's at because I wouldn't be opposed to, especially if we can find a time with Josh, to bring Josh up here and maybe renting out a studio or renting out a stage space, doing doing something live. Probably do now that I'm trying out stand up. Do some stand up sets. Uh, yeah, that'd be real dope. Get it like a full big show too. Um, do kind of like a showcase piece with a few other stand ups that I know. Do a live recording of the podcast. If it goes well, we might think about doing one in St. Louis too. I'll come down to Josh. Figure it and out. I'll, I'll you know immediately start a stand up career for no reason and invite Ethan along. And- I guess not for a reason. If I was going to do it for a stand-up, I'd do it because it's fucking fun. I don't know. I tried to be real snarky on that one, and it didn't really work. Tried to be be real snarky. Ended up just being way too stoned. Way too full of malarkey. (laughs) Josh would be the the best pun-based comic in the town. In all the land. Dude, honestly, it's because of Cassandra. She's so punny. Man, like, she's so quick on the pun, and sometimes it just pisses me off. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, other than that, sound off for that, listen to my other show, In a World, where I, I break down what, um, what your average Joe's life is inside of your favorite mythical worlds. Um, I don't know what we'll be doing the week of when this actually comes out. But I know of the week of recording, we're going to do The Mist, the shitty Stephen King movie. Uh, is that the one with Thomas Jane? Yeah. It's a great fucking Stephen King movie. Because Thomas Jane's amazing. But it's, a, it's, a, it's a great shitty Stephen King movie. Well casted, though. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of, like, have you seen any of the previews for The Dark Tower? I've seen, like, stills and screenshots and whatnot, but I haven't seen any any previews, only because I barely know what the story's about, but I know I like it. (laughs) So it's kind of weird. Yeah, I was never sure. I don't don't really know. Keith was saying he could never really get into the Dark Tower series. I don't know if I could or not. I've never really tried. Oh. Side note is, you know, if you're following on the Swindlers podcast on Twitter... You can also follow me on Twitter. I think I, I think my name's linked in the bio. Let me double check. Yep, it is linked in the bio. Um, you, you know what? You, you follow whoever you want. You follow your dreams on Twitter. I'm gonna. I gotta. And then um, I will announce some stuff as I'm doing it as far as stand up sets from there. Uh, I don't have any big shows in the foreseeable future. Last week was intense. Um, I ended up doing like 
what did I end up doing? I ended up doing like seven. I did four open mics and two shows. Six, so six shows in five days. Dang. Yeah, it was intense. Um, ironing it out. I was getting ready for the showcase piece, which is the audio I sent you. You can still tell I'm pretty new, not too kind of nervous and stiff on some of the delivery stuff. I have something that might help you with that. I, I it's an herbal remedy. <laughs> Josh, I you know <laughs> just hit it through Skype. <laughs> yeah. Not lit, you ding dong. <laughs> No, I just you know like you know how much (laughs) sorry (laughs) you know how much worse it would be on stage if I was stoned. Oh, dude, I think that's the only way I would do it, honestly. Because it's, I feel like I just wouldn't give a shit. (laughs) It's like I already don't give a shit, but you know, this is take it to a new level. I'm not giving a shit. Yeah. I I've I did the two of the like later shows that I did because there was two days that I ended up doing two shows in one night. I was a little drunk going into my second one, and it was actually like way sloppier. Right, I, I see. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be able to do it if I was drunk. But there's like you can find a balance to it. To be honest, I guess so. I mean, um, <laughs> at the same time, but uh. uh um, the shows that I did sober, I think, went a lot better. Um, the, the hard part for me is that uh, being a bar industry worker, I find it really weird to sit in a bar and not drink. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just like I'm if I'm gonna be there, I'm gonna like patronize your bar. One of them went particularly bad. Oh, real bad, super bad. Is it awkward? Yeah, it was just, it, they put me on, it was, they put me on at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. There were um, three really drunk girls and one comic who was there trying to sleep with one of said drunk girls, paying no attention. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you watched Crashing yet? Uh, yeah. Oh it's so good. It made me fucking love him even more. Pete Holmes. Yeah. It's funny because I just watched... Um... Uh, getting Doug with I with Pete Holmes, mm. and it was probably my favorite episode. Oh my god, he is such a fucking fun high. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I ever watched it. I'm not a big um, Doug Benson fan. It, the guests make up for whatever you don't like about Doug Benson. I could, I would, I could see that. Because he had um, Terror Park Boys on there. He had uh, a bunch of other people. <laughs> On there, and um, Reggie Watts and the Broad City Chicks on there. I haven't seen that one yet, but I'm sure it's good. We had those three as a whole, like all three of them at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Huh. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I love and, Reggie uh, Watts, and I love yeah, Reg- Broad I think City. Reggie Watts, I think Reggie Watts been on there a couple times. And I love Broad City too. Uh, who's one they had on there, man? Oh, Jack Black's on there, but it gets weird. <laughs> I'm sure it does. <laughs> he, he's not a good. He's not a stable smoker. I wouldn't be either. He gets like, like quiet and weird and awkward, and I was just—I don't know. That's funny. You so do you associate with that a little bit? Oh, I get—I get chatty when I'm fucking stoned. 
right now. I don't Until even. I, get quiet. I don't even think I know. I think the last time I smoked pot, we were like eighteen. Oh, dude, the last time I smoked pot was about five months ago. Not even. I mean, I, wait, I gotta cut that. <laughs> That's too incriminating. Eh, <laughs> decriminalized. But yeah. All right, let's wrap this up. Like I said before, follow uh, follow me on Twitter. Follow the Swindlers um, podcast. Uh, but I am on Twitter. King, <laughs> King Rat. Uh, you, can, you know what? Just follow my wrestling one. Should I, put, should I put that in the bio of the um should I put that in the bio of the swindlers? Yeah, why not? So that's what... think it's at Rasslin underscore Josh. Rasslin with an A and no G. Isn't it W R? Yeah. W R A S T L I N. Yes. Rasslin Josh. Alright. Bam. And listen to my other show, In a World. Follow me on Twitter to see if there's if I have any like stand up shows coming up in the city of Chicago. I'd love to hear a sound off from you guys to figure out where everybody's at. So if we actually decided to rent out a theater and do a big, I, here's the thing: I would find myself like renting out the theater and not worried about selling tickets to make money, but like wanting people to be there. Oh yeah, I wouldn't want to go to a fucking empty fucking space. Obviously, right? Like. It's just me getting high in a fucking big Because <laughs> <laughs> that was I that uh, that improv show that I opened up for was it was great it was fun and I, I got a lot of good feedback but I realized that it was um, one person who would come to see me a friend of mine, yeah. um, two people who were significant others of performers, and then everyone else in the room which it was a pretty full room it was like twenty ish people there. <laughs> We're all imp- improvisers waiting to get on stage. Yeah, that's what I've kind of noticed. I've gone to a few like shows like that, um, and that's kind of the way it is. It's I'm almost also... like like that high school fucking battle of the bands situation. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I also, um... but yeah, fuck it. We're wrapping this one up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like I said, whatever we ended up doing, I'm sure we would end up pricing the tickets pretty like reasonable. I don't care about taking a loss on this on renting the space for the the theater. I just don't want to be there in an empty theater. <laughs> so if it's if it's feasible, I'd love to do it. Um, the only way we can know is if we can get a sound off. We'd know where you guys are at, who all's been listening. Um, let me know. But other than that, I am your con, Ethan Miller. Josh <laughs> and we'll see you guys we'll see you guys next time Scott Swindle good night <laughs> <laughs> Cha-ching.